This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, where you can meet like-minded people fighting for a new vision of aging. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer. Giving Tuesday is nearly here. The global generosity movement takes place every year after Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Canadians are are very generous. Wonderful that they uh, they give with their their hearts and their heads. We're, we're hoping at Charity Intelligence that uh, that they use their use their heads as much as possible in their, in their giving decisions as well. Greg Thompson of Charity Intelligence will be along shortly with a look at some of this season's top ten impact charities to help donors find charities making the greatest impact. And speaking of the top ten, Canada's best new restaurant is in Toronto. Care to guess? The answer will have to wait, but you'll hear from its marketing director, as well as the food critic who selected, almost gave that one away. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Families of hostages singing Madonna's Like a Prayer in a call for the release of loved ones taken by Hamas terrorists. It was recorded in Israel, but is part of an international campaign with recordings from 100 countries that will be compiled into a single video. The project was organized by a group that uses music to promote social issues. Their new interpretation of Like a Prayer takes on a haunting meaning and was chosen by a woman who tragically lost her brother and his wife during the music festival massacre October 7th. Mitch Album, considered the best-selling Jewish author alive, says he's ready to embrace his obligation as a Jewish writer to publish a novel set during the Holocaust. It comes at a time when Jews are again grappling with a tragedy in the wake of the terrorist attacks. Unlike other Holocaust novels, Album's just-released book, The Little Liar, traces the repercussions of that moment for decades following the events of the Holocaust through four central characters— who wrestle with the trauma and violence of their past. Number of full-time Gen Z workers stateside set to surpass baby boomers early next year. Glassdoor economic research finds as older workers continue retiring en masse and more young people reach working age, Gen Z set to rapidly overtake the boomer generation. Meantime, Gen Xers, the generation behind boomers, took over as the dominant working generation in the U.S. in 2012 before they were overtaken by millennials born between Gen X and Gen Z in 2018. Canada's experiencing a similar shift in demographics, and experts say this will only exacerbate labor shortages. Statistics Canada says in 2021, one in five working-age Canadians was 55 to 64. I'm Bob Comsick, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. 
The lead-up to the ho-ho holidays has begun. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday when charities, companies, and individuals rally for favorite causes. The world's largest generosity movement, Giving Tuesday, encourages donation of time, talents, and resources to address various challenges. Charity Intelligence does the homework and is the go-to source for info so donors can give, well, intelligently. Greg Thompson is research director. Greg, can we begin with last year how much Canadians donated to charities? Our estimate is that Canadians gave upwards of $18 billion to charities across the country. I mean, Canadians are very generous. It's wonderful. They give with their hearts and their heads. Uh, we're hoping at Charity Intelligence that uh, that they use their heads as much as possible in their, in their giving decisions as well. Does that surprise you, the amount, given how tough times are for a lot of people? And we, we certainly have heard stories of, of doom and gloom in the sector that people are you know, struggling in many ways. But luckily, people have dug in and, and continue to give. I mean, I, Canadians really do care about, about helping others. And it, it doesn't really surprise me because we've seen a continuous increase in donations over the, over the past few years. Your organization, Charity Intelligence, the intent is to help donors, potential donors, make wise decisions, as you said, intelligently, thus the name of of the organization. So how do you help them make that decision? How do you help them base their decisions on where they feel they'll get bang for their buck? Donors give for many different reasons. If you know they're looking to to have the most impact with their dollar, that's where charity intelligence comes in. Because what we do is we take a look at how charities spend all of their money. Uh, we take a look at all of the changes that the charities create, uh, and then we try to value all those changes to say, you know, for every dollar that the charity spends, how much value does it create for its clients and for society in general? So, you know, the the charities that we recommend on our top impact lists, for instance, are charities that we have taken a look at determined are creating the most change within society that they can. What types of services do some of these charities provide? Well, it's wonderful. We found charities that uh, that provide a broad range of, of different services for folks, um, right from you know working internationally in developing countries. We've got an organization, Life Water Canada, that's providing fresh water and sanitation for for folks in developing countries very cost effectively. And then you know, we're to food banks here in Canada, across Canada. We've got quite a few food banks on our on our list. And then we've got uh, you know charities that are that are you know, helping folks uh, with addiction recovery, uh, helping folks uh, with adult learning. So, you know, across the spectrum. So depending on what interests you've got, we may have a charity on our list that, uh, that matches that interest. Sometimes you see these groups and organizations when they're appealing for assistance, trying to, I guess, strike a nerve with people by saying, if you do help out, just imagine how you can make, let's say, a child feel. I mean, you can't put a number on it. It's It's priceless. But that's really not the point, is it? Well, I mean, at Charity Intelligence, we have seen charities. We actually call it you know, weaponizing empathy in some in some senses, where charities tell you know grandiose stories and get people's uh, hearts engaged, and that's that's wonderful. But once your once your heart's engaged, we we say you know, let's let's also get the head engaged and think about. I mean, what what does impact mean? What does impact uh, really come down to? And you know. 
is this charity you know, telling great stories about helping out, but is it really changing lives cost-effectively? And that's what we're, we're hoping to be able to point donors towards, is those charities that really are making change uh, in the lives of the folks that they're working with cost-effectively. How many charities has Charity Intelligence analyzed? Um, Overall, we've analyzed roughly 850 charities. We've done about a third of those charities we've analyzed for what we call our impact assessment. Uh, And so of those charities, we've got 36 of them that we call our our top impact charities that are on uh, on a number of different lists on on our website. Our estimate is that the average charity creates maybe you know a dollar to two dollars uh, with every dollar that it gets. So you know it's giving a little bit of benefit to society. But the charities that are on our top ten impact list create an average of over six dollars per dollar that they they take in. So you know these are these are charities that are really multiplying the value of what donors give them. And uh, you know a great example is a charity called Inspire in Ontario that providing First Nations children with the, uh, the ability to go on to higher education, giving money so that they can move on and improve their lives. So, you know, very you know, cost-effectively changing lives uh, in, a, in a, uh, a wonderful way. What about any in, let's say, the health sector? We don't have a ton in the, specifically in the health sector. We've done a number of charities that are working internationally in developing countries, and one and that works in the health sector internationally is Against Malaria Foundation, where they're providing bed nets to folks so that they can uh, stop them from getting malaria. Another health charity that we uh, have uh, recommended internationally is Operation Eyesight Universal, um, and they are helping people regain their sight around the world very cost-effectively. So within Canada, we haven't, uh, haven't done as many health charities yet, but uh, internationally, we've uh, found a few. If someone listening is interested in checking you out and also checking out I guess the top 10 impact charities that uh, you've highlighted, how do they go about it? They can find all of our top 10 impact charity lists on our website at www.charityintelligence.ca. We've got seven different lists that folks can look at depending on their their interests, and uh, we hope that it will be uh, very helpful to folks as as they give during the next couple of months. Greg Thompson, thank you very much for your time and a lot of hard work from you and your colleagues there, obviously, crunching all those numbers. Easy to go cross-eyed, so thank you for that. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. Greg Thompson, Research Director at Charity Intelligence. I'm Bob Comsick, and this is a Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a Michelin star Toronto restaurant that's been named Canada's best new place to eat. In my experience, you know when you're eating at the number one restaurant. It's the overall experience that sticks with you for weeks to come. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca. Looking for something different in a dining experience, perhaps? Check out Canada's best new restaurant. It's in Toronto on Mount Pleasant Road. Do you think you know it now? Caposado. Takashi Sato is chief owner of the Capo-style omakase restaurant. Its marketing director, Ken Masuda, explains why such restaurants are so rare in Canada. 
Becoming the master of a couple, typically it takes 10 to 15 years. Reason of this long run is couple chef has to be learning everything, cooking raw fish, boiling, grilling, frying, and steaming. So that's why there is so many sushi omakase restaurants in Canada, but no couple restaurant in Canada. Usually other chefs, they're professional something, like professional deep frying, professional cutting fish, professional boiling. It's not doing everything by himself. But the couple is doing everything by themselves. That's a huge difference between regular omakase restaurant chef, also couple master chef. It's definitely an intimate night out. Our restaurant is very unique compared to other Japanese restaurants. Like, we don't have any back kitchens that most restaurants having for preparing and cooking. So all dishes are cooked in front of customers from, like, beginning, from cutting, and to presentation. So customer can enjoy tasting, but also can enjoy how to make it, like visually. How long yeah. would it take to prepare a dinner for someone who comes to the restaurant? So we offer two, three hours uh, for the customers, and we're preparing from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., like uh, almost eight hours, eight hours, nine hours for these three hours. Not too many people would be able to come in given the time it takes to prepare. So we're eight people maximum for one section. We have two sections, timelines. Some starts from 5.30 and other one from 8.30. So each section maximum people is eight people. Who determined Caposado is Canada's best new restaurant? Food critic Amy Rosen, who dined anonymously at over 30 establishments nominated by food industry experts during her month-long journey. What was it that made it come out number one versus number two, or was it really a coin toss? Definitely not a coin toss. It was everything. This is my third time eating across Canada for En Route magazine, although the first time in uh, about 20 years. But you know... In my experience, you know when you're eating at the number one restaurant. It's not that it's head and shoulders above number two or three. It's that it's the overall experience that sticks with you for weeks to come. Describe your experience when you were there. You're in it for two and a half hours, but it's dinner and a show, basically. So it's not just that they're making everything in front of you from shaving the bonita flakes, to churning the tofu ice cream, to grilling, to broiling and boiling, and just it's the staff is is one-to-one, basically, or maybe one-to-two. So someone standing behind you um, looking out for your every need. For instance, I, I ate with a friend every time I ate across Canada. Um, sorry, at every restaurant I ate at across Canada, and... I was I was with my friend Dana, and uh, she had a big purse, and there was a purse hook under the counter, but it was it was big, so she just dropped it on the floor gently, but she dropped it. But right away, someone from behind us picks up the purse, not in a kind of demeaning way or anything, and and places a uh, a cloth napkin under it, packs the purse. So we were very impressed by that, right? Just. Just every care taken to make sure that just everything's perfect for for you and for them, really. And they were all smiling, and they were all happy to be there, and they were so informative. And 
And bottom line, everything was also so delicious, obviously. And they had no idea who you were. No, absolutely not. I'm uh, I'm top secret. And the good thing, when I used to do this, you had to kind of secretly take notes or go to the washroom a lot to write things down or remember things. But nowadays, you can take pictures of everything. The menus are in front of you. So um, you, you don't give yourself away as much by taking notes. So they definitely didn't know I was anyone. And I'm, I don't have the look of someone that you should really be worried about if they walk into your restaurant. I'm, let's say, a very casual person. I'm curious, was this the no. first stop in the middle or at the end? It was in the middle. I started out east. I uh, did the Atlantic provinces, and then I did uh, Quebec. And I came back to Toronto for a couple nights, did some laundry, and then I headed out west. And then I came back to Toronto again, and then some of the outlaying areas like Prince Edward County and um, Fort Erie. Do you ever get feedback from the winners who say, oh, my God, coming up number one or making the top 10, unbelievable what it's done for us? Oh, yes. Um, over the years, we've, I mean, Air Canada and En Route do all these surveys and everything. And I hear that the average is that, um, like, it increases their, uh, what's it called, reservations or whatever. Uh, by 500%. Like, it's it's a very tangible difference when you make the top 10 list. And personally, my favorite kind of career compliment was my second year I did it. I ate at a restaurant in Victoria that was practically empty, although I was there early. And uh, the food was incredible. It made, I think, um, it was my in my top five. And I went back a few years later, and the chef was there, and he came out to talk to me. And he said, we were two weeks from closing before you came in. And then once we knew the photographers were coming and everything, we we put it off. And he's like, I tell people, Amy Rosen saved my restaurant. And that's like, that's what this is all about. And obviously, he saved his restaurant. I didn't. But that's exactly why I do this. I could never be a critic that was negative. This is celebrating the greatness of Canada, and that's why I love it. Food critic Amy Rosen, who chose Toronto's Caposado, best new Canadian restaurant, and earlier its marketing director, Ken Masuda. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Komsik for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.